And if you have a Bible, I would love for you to turn to the book of Jeremiah. We're going to continue tonight where we started Sunday about my family. My family meaning your family. And if someone would help me out with those doors right there, that would be a beautiful thing. As you turn to Jeremiah chapter 1, I, I want to tell you while you're finding your place that right at the end of the fast, I had felt this way in my heart and my spirit, and then I had, you know, I, I, I had it mentioned to me, and it had confirmed what I had already felt about, uh, you know, other people talking about coming together on Wednesday night. We just couldn't do that during prayer. So, I told you, and I'm not going through everything again, but how over and over again, God just let me know that our families, man, and, and I just want to take a minute to explain this because we started in the book of Acts chapter 2 on Sunday, and we briefly mentioned about 120 people going at, at the direction of the Lord into the upper room and doing what the Lord said to do and just wait, tarry. And then the Lord gave the promise that had been prophesied a long time, but Jesus had promised that the Comforter would come. And he came, and I'm kind of doing a recap real quick, but he came when these people had did exactly what he said by going there and tarrying and being, and this, this is the part that we've got to really just get a hold of at some point, being in one mind and one accord. Now, I believe with all my heart that there is, there's no way that we can have unity in the church and see God do great and mighty things if we don't have unity in our homes. And, and what I mean by that, I don't mean that we don't, we don't get along with each other in our house. But what I, what I mean, my house, I'm talking about the structure that I live in. My house should be an ongoing sanctuary outside of this place. It, it shouldn't be that, you know, there's a different standard there. Because the Lord said, I'll dwell in temples not made with hands. Meaning, he, you know, and he said, you are the temple of the Holy Ghost. The, the Lord resides in us. So everywhere I go, the Lord is, is with me. And I, I've got to honor that. But, but my home, the place he's blessed me with, ought to be a place and has to be a place where... It, it's, it's a sanctuary to me. It's a sanctuary for my family. And, and all of you know, um, I almost feel if, if the Lord had not have laid this on my heart, I would say, God, I just, I have not, I haven't gotten everything under control at my house yet. I mean, there's still some things that I need to be more disciplined about. I need to be proactive and and I haven't gotten everything under control in that area, and I want to do that. And it all has to deal with just bringing your flesh into subjection. That's why the Lord says, you got to crucify yourself, you got to pick up your cross daily, and you got to follow me. But I believe 
that when my house becomes a sanctuary, and that happens throughout our church, and then we bring all of those people who have been in the sanctuary all week long at our houses and we come here, I, I don't even know what God will do. I don't know. But I'll tell you this. You, you have to be intentional and, and you cannot cut yourself and you can't cut anything in your house any slack. You can't. It almost sounds like we're becoming old-timey and we're going back in time. But see, I believe them people were really living ahead of themselves, but not really because they were just living holy lives to the Lord. But we're going to do something kind of a little bit different tonight. And you might say, well, I don't even know if this even applies tonight. And you're going to be wrong because it applies to every one of us. We're going to start in the, in the fifth verse of Jeremiah. And I, I believe, and I'm going to be honest with you before I read this scripture, and I don't usually call a lot of men's names, uh, pastors' names, but Monday morning, uh, I, I, was, I, I wanted to go ahead and get the prop from Sunday out of the way and get it set up for tonight. And the Lord knows, I don't remember when the last time I've listened to a Jensen Franklin Free Chapel broadcast. Monday morning, I got my phone and I set it up on the speaker so I, so I could hear it while I was running vacuum cleaner and sawing and all, or whatever I was doing. And he didn't get but about 10 minutes into that message. And I said, Lord, I cannot believe you are continuing to tell me about the family over and over again. It, it blessed me, number one. But, but he, he kind of ended the message by talking to, to the youth, young adults, like teens, 20, 30. And, and that thing has just had me since Monday, and I really thought I was going to be talking out of Acts chapter 2 tonight, and the Lord, when I was getting dressed this morning, and this was like about 5 a.m., he said, I want you to go to Jeremiah's writing. So, verse 5 says this, listen. He says, before, now he's talking to Jeremiah. He says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. That means he set him apart and he's mine. He's for my use. He's for my purpose. He said, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Now, this is why you don't ever need to underestimate your, your being on earth, your living, and if you have... If God has a plan, if he has a purpose, you, you, you need to go on and settle this right now. Before Jeremiah was born, before he was even conceived, the Lord had already mapped out his life, his, his title, what he was going to be doing, and he had already set him apart and says, nope, exclusively mine and only mine. And then verse 6 says what Jeremiah said in response. Oh, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am, check it out, I am a youth. And the Lord said to me, do not say I am a youth, for you shall go to all to whom I send you. And whatever I command you, 
you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Verse 9 says, Then the Lord put forth his hand, and he touched my mouth. And the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations. Now, talking about God putting you here for a reason. And he's a young and now, he's a youth. He says, I've set you over the nations and over the kingdoms. But listen to this, and this is why God said, you better say everything I command you to say. He said, because I'm putting you there over the nations. Count them off to root out, to pull down, to destroy, and to throw down. But he also said to build and to plant. And he told Jeremiah that, and then he said this. He said, Jeremiah, let's go ahead and jump on in. He said, what do you see? He said, well, I see, I see a branch or a rod, and it's, it, it's an almond branch or a rod. And the Lord says, that's good. He said, man, I am ready. Right? He, said, he said, I am ready to perform my word. He said, you, you, you've done good. You are, you are paying attention. You're focused. You're not letting your age be an excuse. You're not letting your age uh, uh, insult you. He says, you've already seen it right out of the gate. And he said, uh, uh, and by the way, uh, now what's this right here? He said, well, I see a pot and it's, and it's boiling and it's facing the north. And what he, what he was showing him that he was, he was about to do something the, uh, with Jerusalem and Judea. And like 61 years later, uh, the Chaldeans, exact, they, they, they almost wiped them out, but they didn't. And so the Lord showed him everything that was about to unfold and how he would play a part in this. You know I talk about Esther all the time, but I want to tell everybody here, and I don't care how young you are or how young you are not, I want you to know that we are left here so we can help the nations out. We are left here so we can do what God needs us to do, what God tells us to do, and it doesn't matter if you are 13, 16, 64. It doesn't matter to God. He formed you he, you were fearfully and wonderfully made, just like David said he was, and God has you here for a time like this time, and it doesn't matter if you're an introvert, if you're an extrovert, if you've started many times and quit, if you feel unqualified, none of that matters because the world is still messed up. The world is still on its way to hell, and the world needs somebody that's not afraid because, see, even preachers have caved in that you're not afraid if the need calls for you to root up to tear down, to throw down, to destroy, and finally to build and plant. You need to be willing to do it. And we call it old school tough love sometimes. And it starts in our house, and it starts with us first. 
The worst thing you can do, and I'll just start with parents because I am a parent, by the way, and a grandparent, praise God, but let me tell you something. The reason you start with yourself is because you, the worst thing to try to do is fix somebody else when you're broke. So I need to, as a husband, as a daddy, as a father, as a, a son-in-law, as a father-in-law, as a, a granddaddy, and everything else, I need to make sure that I have in my own life, first of all, because, see, we want our houses, we want our homes to be sanctuaries. Amen? Because how many of you know when you leave your house and you go out in the world, you are in everything but a sanctuary. Amen? So your house don't just need to be your castle. Your house needs to be your sanctuary. And so the best way to handle this and to start out is to start by, in my own life, seeing what I need to root out first, seeing what I need to actually pull down because it's not healthy. It's not building me up as a Christian. I'm not growing and I'm not planning anything new. So what do I need to do in my own life regardless of my age? And, and, and let me just uh, uh, interject something right here. We, we, we don't need to crutch on our age. We don't need to crutch on our health. We don't need to crutch on our lack of biblical knowledge. We don't need to crutch on our time, what we don't have time for. or what We don't need to do this because God, like he told this young boy here, he says, don't you say that. Don't you say that. I am the God that called you and ordained you and said you were mine before you ever, ever broke into this life and into this earth. He said, I am the God, so don't tell me you cannot do that. And we know, and we just said this, son, that we can do all things through Christ. And that's where we have a lot of problems is because we can't do things through Christ if we still have things in our life that needed to be rooted out that need to be torn down, that need to be destroyed so that the building up and the planning can come. And what, what the message I was telling you about Monday I heard is how that I believe our revival is going to happen with the youth and with the children, with adolescents. I really believe because children, I'll start with children, Children, don't, they don't know any better than to just believe something you tell them and they'll do it by faith. And you know what? I didn't even remember this until right now. But Sunday morning, I almost had uh, a, a spell. I went into that room back there and I hadn't really seen Beckham yet to talk to him. And he was right there at that door. Well, he was in that room. And I went into that room, and I got down on my knees like this, and I, I hugged him. I said, give Papa, give Papa a squeeze. And so he did, and his right arm was around my neck right here. And I said, Beck, and there was a, a few people in the room, but I just looked in his uh on his face right here and in his ear, I said, Beckham, I said, Poppy's got to go preach. I said, will you pray for him? And as soon as I got it out of my mouth, he took his left hand and put it up here on my forehead. And he, he didn't pray a long prayer. And I'm not saying that to just try to 
indulge in this moment here, but what I want to tell you is that I believe it's not too late for children, for teenagers to be full of the Holy Ghost with the power of God working in their life and saying things that grown-ups won't say and pulling down things that grown-ups won't pull down and destroying things that grown-ups have, uh, have made excuses for and throwing down other things that's absolutely dead weight. I still believe that God's going to use our children and our youth to get the work done and then somewhere along the lines the adults is going to jump in because they're not want to get left out. And so what happened? After he told Jeremiah, he said, listen, all this is about to unfold and you cannot bite your tongue. You can't be like these other prophets and you can't just kind of, you know, feel like you're all alone and by yourself. I told you that I'm with you and you don't have to worry about anything. And then over in verse 17, and the Lord's talking to somebody right now. As soon as I read this scripture, the Lord is talking to somebody in this room. And I believe it's about everybody, to be honest with you. He says, therefore, since I've told you who you are, since I've told you what you mean to me, since I've told you that you've got something special to do and who I'm going to send you to to do it, he says, therefore, verse 17, prepare yourself and arise and speak to them all that I command you. Do not be dismayed before their faces. And he tells him now, God's not playing around, see. To whom much is given, much is required. This is a young boy. He says, Lest I don't be dismayed before their faces. Don't be ashamed. Don't be scared. Don't be not. He said, don't you be dismayed before their faces, lest I dismay you before them. For behold, I have made you this day, and God's talking to you tonight. You did not come here in vain. For behold, I have made you this day a fortified city, an iron pillar, and bronze walls against the whole land. I'm telling you, I don't want to hear no more news or anything else. In this room right now, it's not bleeding with young people. It's not bleeding with any people, Harley. I thank God for everybody that's here tonight. But I want to tell you, within the four walls of this church right now, there's somebody, people are going to tap into this because you know the only remedy is the Holy Ghost and the power of God in this earth. Everybody, Paul said, man, everybody's going mad. And that's what's happened today. Everybody has chased everything in this world, but nobody is pursuing God. And so what has to happen is there has to be somebody that says, Lord, I'm going to do it. I don't care how hard it is. I don't care how many people don't understand or they label me or they disown me or they don't want to have anything else to do. It don't matter about my age. I don't care if I'm not even 13 yet. It doesn't matter. I'm going to do what you say to do because I know that, Lord, this day, this Wednesday, if you turn me into a fortified city, an iron pillar, and bronze walls, uh, the whole land will not be able to do anything against me. No weapon formed against you will be able to prosper. And this is what God was telling Jeremiah. He said, against the kings of Judah and against the princes, 
against the priests, against all the people of the land. They will fight against you, he said, but they will not prevail against you. For I am with you, says the Lord. So I want to ask you tonight, I want you to think about something. How long do you think, we're going to start at home first. How long do you think, and this is not a pep rally, this is not a motivational speech, this is not something to try to get you thinking and all this, I'm just asking you a question for you to pray about in your mind right now. How long do you think it would take for the rest of our church, first of all, the rest of your family probably ought to be. How long do you think it would take for houses to be cleaned out on Sundays and Wednesdays and whatever days? And for us to see God work through us outside of the church, in the community, and people start saying, Corona, what? Huh? What? Because we are so busy talking about the power and the things of God, the young people that are coming to know the Lord because they want what God can give them more than anything else. People are being healed. Uh, dr drug addicts are being cleaned and marriages are put back together. Children that have gone wayward are coming back home. I'm telling you folks, in the name of Jesus, he said, if you will lift me up, I will draw all men unto me. And I know he was talking about physically being raised on the cross, but it also had an, a, a very rele relevant application today. If you and I get to a place where we've torn down, we've destroyed, we've wiped out, we've cleaned out, we've turned our homes into sanctuaries, then I'm telling you this, then somebody's going to hear the news, somebody's going to want to know, and when they come to your house... It's going to feel, you know how many times people's come in this church and says, you know what, when I just walked into the door, something just felt different in here. So I, I, I could just feel something in this. I'm, I'm telling you, you've told me this. Other people's told me this because there is no substitute for the power of God. There is no substitute for the move of God. There is no substitute for the presence of God, folks. There's nothing. And you get a bunch of young people on fire for God that won't take no for an answer, and they don't get tired, they don't get bored, they don't have a time limit for God, they sell out for God, and then God starts moving, and he turns them into Jeremiah's, and they turn into iron pillars, they turn into bronze walls, and, and nobody can do anything with They can't talk them into having premarital sex. They can't talk them into doing drugs. They can't talk them into staying out of church. They can't talk them into doing crazy party things. I'm telling you, when somebody tastes and sees that God's good, you can't do a thing with them. And it is, it is like a fire that people have to run to. Now, that's all the good. But before we pray tonight, we've got to talk about the reality of if this, if this doesn't happen. They die, go to hell. They get caught up in relationships that are toxic and deadly. The blind still lead the blind. They all still wind up in the ditch. And you know, 
I, I mentioned this last, I, I mentioned this, and I'm not going to do anything but just give you an illustration. But one of the most moving things, and I'm bringing it up again, because, see, we, we don't think this can happen. But one of the things that tore me up, and I knew that God had been dealing with me about families and how families have to be whole, healthy, and houses do too. See, we make a lot of our bad decisions in our homes, amen? We make them in our homes. And we do that, and it doesn't matter if you, if you don't have anybody living at home. It doesn't matter. If you are alive and you are in your house, your house is either a sanctuary or it's not. And, and this thing really bothered me. And I knew when it happened, I, I couldn't. But there was, there was a, a, a gentleman that passed away, and, and, and we, our family's known this family. And this is kind of like a public thing, but I'm not going to publicize it. But when one of the children had talked about how their relationship had been pretty much severed, hadn't spoken to their, their parent, in third, and now this parent's dead, I, this thing got a hold of me like you would not believe. Not because I knew who it was, but because, you see, I don't know that. I love my daddy. I loved my mama when she was alive. We got along, and everybody don't have those kind of relationships. I know that. But what the preacher is trying to tell you and me tonight is why don't we stop it before it ever happens? Why don't we establish that our house is built on the rock of the word and as for us and our houses, we're going to, if it has to be the teenager doing it or if you're single by yourself, if I have to have accountability from somebody else outside my house, listen, I need you to help me. I need you to call me or text me. See if I've prayed today. Have I had praise music? Have I had sermons playing in my house? And I'm not saying that everything that goes on like that, but I'm I'm saying the atmosphere is a godly atmosphere where Jesus can at any time come and sit on your couch and you don't have to grab the remote and turn anything off or you don't have to tell them to quit raising Cain and all that. You can say, Lord, this is always your sanctuary. You come anytime you want to. And I'm telling you, folks, I wish there was a way to know all of the other thousands of people that didn't go up to the upper room, I just wonder what their home life was like. Oh, they probably went to church. They probably, and they were part of following Jesus. That's how they got fed. But see, there was something different in the people that made it upstairs compared to everybody else. And I want to tell you tonight, if the Lord leaves us here long enough, and when I make statements like I'm about to make, in fact, before I make this statement, God, I want you to anoint me and I want you to anoint us because I don't want anybody to blow anything out of proportion. I, I don't want Satan to get into what I'm saying. And God, and I pray you would sanctify our ears and help us to have mature hearts like believers. In Jesus' name.
1990, when I went to Montana, prior to going to Montana, for about two years before that, I participated in youth camps uh, for the Church of God over the summer, and I would be like the children's speaker sometime. When I went to Montana, along with preaching, I did it pretty much all summer, the summer of 1989. And then when I went back in January of 1990, then when I went to work down the street at Springfield Church of God in September of that same year, I continued in children's ministry. In 1997, when we started this ministry in the upstairs of the skating ring with a puppet stage, we focused on children. When, and I, I, I had not planned to say this, so, but the Lord said, you better. You, you, now is the time. When we moved on John's Road, we were called Kids Church. Still have the sign upstairs in storage. The, name, the legal name of this ministry is Kids First Christian Ministries, Inc., I know you don't know where I'm going. But I, I, I want to give you a little bit of history because have you ever heard of history repeating itself? Well, I haven't breathed this to nobody, not this particular part. But God's been dealing with me heavily about children's ministry and youth ministry. I... We're always going to have worship like we do and like we do on Sunday. And we're going to pray. But I'm tired of children dying and going to hell. I'm tired of children now at the expense of tax dollars and everything else. Now almost being coerced into try to go back and figure out if they really are male or female. You see, it gets, the world is getting sicker by the day. And the church is getting slacker by the day. You know why? We don't like to root up. We don't like to tear down. We don't want to, and, and, and right now, and you know what the devil has tried to tell the preacher over and over again for about a year now? Well, you wasn't doing it before the pandemic. You sure ain't going to be able to do it now. But my God reminded me this week, on Monday of this week, that he's not limited to a governor, to a president, to a state, to rules, to laws. He's the God that holds time in his hand. And where there is a will, there is a God. And there is a will for children and young people to know the truth that sets them free. And then I believe that the adults will want to get in on that, you see. So all this is about me telling you that 
one way or another here and over at the other campus that there's just privately been some things happening over there, and it's all about preparation. We're going to have an outreach to children. We're going to have an outreach to youth, and we're going to see God glorified. We're going to see homes that promote Jesus Christ, even if it's the children and the youth evangelizing the parents when they go back home. But something's going to be done because God says, Opie Swales, I've got Jeremiah's out there, and it's up to you and the church to nurture them, to model me in front of them. Don't make exceptions because if you make exceptions, then they're going to grow up to make exceptions. And you root out in your life, you tear down in your life, preacher or no preacher, and you destroy, and then you will watch me build and plant. And see, that's what God wants to do all over again right now. He wants to use young people. He wants to use children. He wants to start building. And he wants to... See, God's not shut down. Oh, no. God's in the moving. God's in the saving business. God's in the healing business. God's in the restoring business. God's in the building business. And he wants to do it with my family. And he wants to do it with your family. And he's going to do it with our houses. See, you can't be no more holy in this house than you are at your house. You can't. You can't. I want you to stand with me, if you will. And what we're going to do right now makes the devil real nervous. It doesn't make him nervous because he's scared, but it it makes him nervous because people still respond and go to an altar in spite of all the trickery he's been playing for about a year now. And, you know, I've preached all along a long time that we're not ignorant of his devices. So all of that was just kind of a lead-in to tell you tonight what we're going to do. And again, I'm telling you in the name of Jesus, don't you dare dismiss what we've talked about tonight because, listen, Jeremiah is not just a youth tonight. Jeremiah's in his 40s. Jeremiah, she might be in her 50s or 60s or 80s. So see, you are here. You could have been the one that didn't make it through COVID. You could have been the one. But you, you lived and you were here. You could have been the one that was in the head-on collision. You could have been the one that the storm in Texas got to. See, we can keep going down the list. You could have been the one. I could have been the one. It could have been our children. It could have been our spouse. It could have been our family. But you know what God did? God said, I'm going to leave you here. Because I, I know that I can use you and if I need you to root to pull down to destroy he says I know you'll do it and you don't have to worry about what people's going to do to you because even the whole the whole nation can't even you know what he said I, I, I quoted this again Sunday and I know I did 
But I love this because I see the book of Acts in Jeremiah. Uh, when you talk about bronze and all that, the gates of hell can't even prevail against that. And I'm telling you, this is the year when I believe the true church is going to rise up and going to branch out and God's going to pour out and we're going to see great and mighty things that we know not of. And all the youngins that he thought he had, he's about to have a rude awakening because they're about to steal souls away from him and God's about to use the youth and everybody that would not sit down, roll over and die and you've allowed God to finish what he left you here to do. So this is what we're going to do right now. We're just going to spread out in the altar and we're going, to, we're going to start with our house, meaning my own personal life. I'm not even going to pray about Angie right this second. I'm going to pray about Opie first and see if she's doing the same thing and then we pray God let her and then we can go to Caitlin and Beckham and, and Tyler and we can branch out from there. Because I guarantee you this goes without saying. Nobody in here wants a single family member to die and go to hell. Nobody wants anybody. And see, we don't ever know when the devil's going to come by with a temptation that's going to create a wedge or a root of bitterness that's going to put 20 years, 30 years between us. So this is what we're doing now. God, we come to this altar in the name of Jesus. God into my own life. God, I, 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 I want I to win the people in the church. I want to win the people in the community, the world. But Lord, my family, Lord, my family means so much to me. God, my family. I don't want my family to be lost. I don't want to take it for granted that my family's going to make better decisions than I make. Oh, God, help me right now to realize I, I cannot crutch on the fact that I've got to study for a sermon every week. God, no, I've got to take time with you myself just for my own personal benefit. God, I pray you would show me personally how I can be a, a better manager of the time in my house with electronics and everything, how I can start pointing things back to you, Lord. I know my sleep has gotten better when I've done that. I, 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 I know that my home has felt more at, at ease, Lord. There's been a spirit of peace there, Lord, when I do that. So God help me in the name of Jesus. Lord, I'm never going to see what I know is possible in the church if I'm not willing to do what I need to do at home, Lord. It begins, holiness begins at my house, Lord. God, and I pray for our youth. God, we have some here tonight, and I thank you for them. God, I pray you would bless them regardless of the age, Lord. I pray for babies. I pray for children, uh, middle school, high school, college. God, I pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that they would understand they're not too young, that they can have a Jeremiah experience, Lord. You can use them to be a fire starter, Lord. You can use them to change things, Lord, with their friends, Lord. And then in this church, 
and in our community, God. I pray, Lord, for anybody that's not a believer in the name of Jesus. If you would just ask the Lord, say, Jesus, I know that you are going to return. I, I, I know, and I'm not a Christian, and I want to be saved. I'm tired of playing games. In the name of Jesus, would you save me? Would you cleanse me? And Lord, I'll live the rest of my life. I'm going to start in my own life, in my own home right now. It's going to be a sanctuary. And I give it to you, Lord. God, I pray for husbands and wives, Lord. God, there's such a burden on families right now, Father. Parents have a hard time making ends meet, being parents. Lord, and so I lift up parents first. And I pray for grandparents, Lord, who have to take care and raise children, Lord, because of an unfortunate situation. Lord, I, I don't have any to come to mind, but I know there's a whole generation out there, Lord. And I just pray for those people, Lord. Regardless of where they are in the earth, I pray that you would strengthen them. And I pray revival fires would start in those homes, Lord. I pray you would give us wisdom, God. I pray, oh God, that we would know that you are for us and you are not against us. God, give us wisdom. And God, show us that what you have for us is better than what we're settling for right now at home, but even in our own church, Lord. Even though you bless us and we have great services, Lord, what we're settling for, God, cannot compare to what you have for us, Lord. And God, I thank you. But before we go home tonight, I do want to pray over you, but I really didn't get to announce this Sunday. But I, I want to ask you tonight, you can remember this. I, I don't care if you are single, married, widow, widower, uh, you have children at home, children's gone, grown, whatever. It doesn't matter to me. I want you, if you can't do it tonight, I want you to try to do it before Saturday. It's about 34 minutes. It'd be good if you, anybody else at home could sit down with you, especially if you got a spouse there or something. But multitudeschurch.com slash myfamily. It's the video I told you about that I, I, I shouldn't have seen it last Sunday. And but I, looking for music, that video was there. And when I saw it, I, I, God says, I, I, how many times do you want me to tell you? But I'm telling you this. If you want some good stuff, I want you to go home and I want you to watch that. 34 minutes. You're going to waste 34 minutes on something that I promise you will not sow anything of any value into your life before you go to bed. And I promise you, you will. If you turn your TV on, unless you're watching a, a great preacher or something like that, you're not going to, it ain't going to be healthy. It ain't going to be beneficial. So, multitudeschurch.com slash myfamily. And I was reminded the scripture that we heard from the white marriage brother out of Hosea today. And you know, God, God's always going to take care of things in his own time. 
uh, in his own way. But God's going to always be faithful to the promises he's made in this book to his children. He is. Uh, until the trumpet sounds, the Lord's still going to bless people. God's still going to anoint people. He's still going to raise people up. He's still going to open doors for people. He's going to use people that people thought they wouldn't be used. Until the trumpet sound, God is not going to back down on anything. He's going to, if anything, he's going to pick it up because he knows what the devil's out here doing. So I just think that the people of multitudes, <laughs> I man, I want us to be the ones that's going to have it. So multitudeschurch.com. Slash my family. Hey, before you go, I just want to ask you one thing. Sunday, God has laid something on my heart for us to make a covenant prayer together with our entire family. So I'm asking you if you would start praying between now and Sunday morning and get your entire family, or if your family is not at home or you don't have a family nearby, I want you to come and pray and stand and represent in behalf of your family. So if you do that, uh, we can have a great day in the Lord and see what God is going to do. So that Sunday morning, I want all of our families to come together. We're going to sit together, and we're going to have a special day.